0: This is Ace. This is D. And we're at the kickback. It's um, what is it, April seventh, and we got Frost, Ksol, and Stan in the, on the on the podcast. Shout out to y'all boys.
1: What's happening? Good. Thank you for having us. What's going on? So,
2: Ksol, I think this is your first time officially on the on the podcast. You want to go ahead and do like a little brief introduction or stuff that you're into and all of the other good stuff for everybody else who doesn't already know
1: uh sure man i'll go ahead and talk about myself um in the all things music all genres rap r b um i work in politics known avery and d since since high school i think i used to ride the bus with d mm-hmm. and me and avery met at the lunch table like in 10th grade so
0: I've been rocking with these dudes for a minute. When well, we was rocking them fusions. <laughs> for real. We, had to,
2: we did have fusion threes.
0: Dark, dark time.
2: Dark time. <laughs> So so you're not gonna cop them when they retro?
0: <laughs> no. What? <laughs> Some shit well, you gotta go. leave in the past. Facts. They gonna charge them uh 2019 prices too. This shit gonna be Ooh. 230. Plus that. Oof! It's it's easily, the force is soul on the bottom. Hell no, Lord Jesus!
3: <laughs> for some mulatto Jordans,
2: <laughs> <laughs> bruh. Oh Lord Jesus!
3: But
0: yeah, man. Uh, we wanted to get together today because um, it's been like a it's been a week now mm-hmm. for real. But uh, yeah, a week today. I'm sure, everybody's heard, yeah, I'm sure everybody's heard. Um we lost a, a West Coast legend, Nipsey Hussle, um, so we just wanted to, kind of reflect and celebrate, you know, what he's done, for music and you know our generation of people, and just our culture, like for the you know the past like, I would say like like ten, ten years or so. Yeah. So. Uh mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. For me, like. I feel like nipsey uh, 08 09 or whatever like the west coast was kind of it's kind of dead for not really dead i would say like the game kind of brought it back but like after the game kind of stopped dropping like those critically acclaimed acclaimed albums um it was kind of quiet for the west coast yeah and he was one of the people that um along with like Kendrick, and Dom, and Schoolboy, and all that, they started bringing it, bringing the West Coast back, but, I don't know, what's y'all's, like, earliest memory of, like, hearing Nipsey?
3: Um, I started, I first heard Nipsey on, um, this was back, like, blog era, like, early blog era, so... I was on the the cool kids blog because I used to be on this shit a lot. And uh, I remember them posting the Hustle in the House video. Yeah. And uh, I watched that video, but I was like, I like the song, but I wasn't really like hooked like that. And then I remember, Probably, like, a couple of months later, like, around the summertime, he dropped Killer with Drake. Mm. And then I started paying attention a little bit more. And then I found out about Cinematic Music Group and Creative Control and all that stuff. So I kind of, like, just kept going back. I just kept, like, keeping tabs. And then I remember... uh, when I... Because I moved to Virginia when I found out about Killer, but once I came back to Jacksonville, I remember DeMarco actually started, like, listening to, like, uh, Nipsey way Mm. more. So the Bullets Ain't Got No Names Volume 2 is what really, really had me, like, stuck for real. And then fast forward a year later, because I ain't really listened to 3 like Mm. that. But the Marathon is when I really, really, really got hooked. And then I've been all money in every since bro I would
4: say um, definitely the same as Stan like seeing that hustle in the house video I mean I'm a big Snoop fan so I put Snoop in my top three all time so when I heard somebody from the west that kind of had that same type of demeanor and like like flow kind of almost like his whole presence was definitely like early Snoop whenever he hopped in the game so I instantly like gravitated to his music. And then um, like the Smokers Club shit too, cinematic. Like how Johnny Shipes really had those guys really early on. Like you got Crit, you had Currency, you had Nipsey, Dizza, like just watching the videos of all these guys hanging out, kind of like you looked at them like older brothers almost. So I, that's how pretty much how I got into Nipsey too.
1: I think for me like, probably a little later like I always knew the name Nipsey Hustle, but like when I heard the first Blue Laces that really like changed it for me and then I started listening to went back listening to TMC and then the Crenshaw album was like what really made me start listening to uh to Nipsey like Check Me Out, The Weather, uh, Four in the Morning, all those type of songs like that's what really put me on the Nipsey.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think for me Kind of, I think we all kind of started in the same spot, where everybody saw that "Hustle in the House" video, and I think that's where everybody took note of them. And over time, it seemed like Nipsey was able to kind of capture everybody's attention some way, somehow. Because um, I remember seeing that video, what was it on Ill Roots at the time, and then um, Nipsey would be on like Currency and Wiz's vlogs back in the day, because he would just be hanging out with him on the tour bus and stuff. And then, of course, the song that was like the nail in the coffin, like, yeah, I messed with him, was the song that he did with French Montana on Mac and Cheese, too. It was like him and Wiz and Big Sean. Um, And I was like, I don't know, is there something like whenever everybody was trying to do whatever was current, the thing I liked about Nipsey is that... He was very him, like, this is where I'm from. This is what I do. I don't really care what else is going on, but this is just how I'm coming. And I think that's what I respected about Nipsey is he had, He came into the game like an OG. Like, I'm not sure exactly. He was probably like early 20s when he started rapping. But it seemed like he was rapping in for a while because just of the demeanor that he had. So I think that's why I gravitated to him a lot in the beginning. I think that's a that's
4: an in- interesting point too, because if you think about like the real greats, it's like they come in and really have that presence early. Like, think about how how young Nas was, and then you think about how young like Biggie and Tupac were when they first really like came in. So it's like a
1: common thread type of thing. Hmm. Yeah, they came in with a style that wasn't known, really Hmm. Mhm. Yeah, Nipsey definitely had his own lane like and he kept it he kept it
3: gangster like when everybody else was just being cool cuz that was that was a that was the time where where music was just really really cool so everybody's just on their cool shit but Nip he kept it he kept it him and he fit and he and he'd still fit into that. So, yeah. How did you all
0: like first react when um you heard there was like a, a, or Nipsey was like selling like his album for like, you know that hundred dollar album was well, that was Crenshaw right?
3: Yeah, yeah. it was Crenshaw. But, <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I was just saying like, cause I know, um, Currency tried to do that like a couple of years later, like Pilot Talk when he or three I think when he was selling it on that USB disc. But mm-hmm. I know like the first thing. At the time, I mean, maybe I just didn't understand, I was like, damn, that's like a lot of money for, like, a fucking album, like, you know, albums were like nine ninety nine at Best Buy, but mm-hmm. you know, I was like, looking, looking back at it, it was genius, and then having, I mean, my opinion, like, the best rapper ever, buying all them CDs, is just crazy off of him, but... I don't know how y'all. How do y'all feel about that? Cause, or how did y'all think of it at first? Cause I mean, we were still kind of younger at the time.
3: Yeah. When I first thought about it, oh, like when I first heard about it, I was like, "Bro, this nigga's crazy." (laughs) But I mean, yeah, (laughs) yeah, shit. He's smart at the same time. Cause if somebody, if somebody like that means he really believes in his product. So, and then what I saw, like I looked more into it. Like it was more like people was just stuck on the $100 thing, but if you look deeper into it, it was more than just buying the album for $100. He gave you a whole personal experience. So you had an intimate, you had an intimate concert Whereas the select group of people who bought it got to have a concert. And then I think they got to like ride around with him to listen to it. And then they got like some merch. So it was more than just, just, just the music. So I thought that was smart. And then it was even smarter for him to be like, all right. So if y'all don't want to pay for it, if y'all still fuck with the music, I'm going to just give y'all the free version, but it's going to have DJ Drum on it. And that that was
4: like the beginning of the... Proud to pay, like whole I mean yeah, when you put it
3: too, like that. Right? Mm-hmm. It was proud to pay, yeah. And he was saying how uh I was watching an interview probably like a couple of days ago, and he was saying, um I can't remember what song it was, but he was saying something about in the line he said people would be proud to pay once I dropped my first album or some shit like that. And he just kinda like pulled from that and was like that's basically saying like, hey, I like this music so much that I'm proud to pay for it no matter the cost. So I fuck with it.
2: <laughs> I feel like it's a really interesting way to add like, um, like personal value to it because I feel like especially even even at that time where most of the music was either being streamed or somebody was going on to whatever site and torrenting the music, I feel like that album would read differently if you paid $100 for it versus it's just an album out of, I don't know, 200 albums that you probably have saved or listened to in that year. I feel like you will remember a lot of stuff that happened around the album, like you going to pick that album up, the experience that went with it, And I feel like that was a really interesting take even early on. I still think that's an interesting take now because I feel like the way people consume music is so different that they don't think about stuff like that. Whereas like, I don't know, maybe in the 90s and even when we were younger, when we would go buy an album... Like we remember what we were doing when we went to go pick up that album like where we took that album it it was more of a part of your life at that point mm-hmm. um i don't know if i'm like deep diving into it but i feel like that was a little bit of the point of what he was trying to do he was trying to add a little bit more of an experience to the album versus just a playlist or a list
1: of songs that you listen to on some type of streaming site yep yeah. Yeah, I can see that. No, I mean, like what you just said, that's a little bit of a psyche play, too, because like you said, how you think of, like I think of albums that I used to listen to with my dad and they take me back to a time, it's like a little bit of nostalgia. So, like, you have that experience with Nipsey, you bind the album, listening to it around. So, I think you hit it right on the head. I
3: was,
0: yeah. was going to say, like, uh, it's almost sort of saying, like, why, why is it my music? worth, you know, more than X amount of dollars. Like you think about when you go into a museum and you see a painting with well, you don't know what the fuck's going on on it and it's that's just worth like like five digits. Like I don't know. Right. You know, it's five
2: digits plus.
0: Yeah, like and or there's like an auction going on for it and people are paying crazy amounts just to say they have it. But I mean I think it's really really unique was, and then taking just all like the the business things he did like it was it, it gave uh, yeah I, I think a, um um what is it I keep going over my words but like a a big narrative like around all the creative stuff is like just like knowing your worth so that was really showing like
3: yeah i think and yeah. i think that was another one of the main things too it was kind of like a you know um these labels don't care about your music like that you know what i'm saying they're not going to value your music like you would so why not just why not put my own shit out and price my own shit the way i wanted to because
2: i know what this music is worth and i know what i'm worth so and if you yeah. think about it this way right like imagine so people aren't really like I don't know if we're, like, worried about paintings now as much as they are, like, maybe, like, music or sneakers or some type of, like, specific piece from an artist, like a Takashi or something like that. But, Mm -hmm. like, who's to say that they couldn't put their album up in a museum and have it worth 10 grand. Cause I know like Wu-Tang had did that a while ago. They all did an album and basically they had an auction and I think it started at five grand and it went up from there. They did an auction and whoever bought this album, you would sign like an agreement that you wouldn't share the album unless like, I don't know, like if y'all came over, I could play it, but I can't put it up on a streaming site or try to make money off of it. It's like a mm-hmm. piece of art. Like, so I'm actually surprised that more artists don't take the approach of doing something like this. I think it's because now everybody can get on their computer, download free loops, make a beat, and then record a song. But I think if people were thinking bigger, kind of like how Nipsey were, was um, these are actually pieces of art that are representative of our time like this is the stuff that we care about like you know how many Mona Lisas they probably painted but Mona Lisa that specific painting was special mm-hmm. you know so same thing with like these albums or these other things that we like now who's to say that they aren't They're worth time, you know, millions of dollars <clears throat>
3: right facts, right. facts. Like I think uh didn't for real like uh make a song and it's like
2: tucked away for like I don't know how long it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah he did it with like Hennessy yeah. or something, right? It was like a like a one off either album or song that he recorded on a like a special type of vinyl that has like a limited amount of plays on it. Mm-hmm. And it's like not out on any streaming site or whatever. Like you would have to like go to a place to listen to it. Yeah. Actually, I would like to see people do that more. Yeah. the crazy thing, too, is like,
4: Nipsey even said the first project that was actually, like, mixed and mastered was Victory Lap. So it's like he was more so focused on his message more so than anything. Like, if it's really going to hit, it's really going to strike with people. It doesn't matter whether it's, like, of the best quality. It's like that message is always going to carry the whole project.
3: right right i know he was yeah i think he said he built the he built a specific studio just to make that album and he said that uh yeah he said he had like two rooms he had one room for like all the artists and writers and then he said he had another room for just a producer
2: Speaking of that, uh, I think one of the interesting stories that, cause I have probably like everybody else. I've been like in a YouTube hole about all the stuff that I've missed with Nipsey. And, Mm -hmm. um, I forgot what his name was, but the dude that used to manage Dave East, um, he was talking to Nipsey and he was talking about trying to get, uh, Dave a studio and Nipsey was like, Oh, well this studio I have, I know a guy who built it. And if, you really want to go ahead and do it, then I'll fly the guy out to you at New York and then we can have him help you build your studio and stuff like that too. I feel like he was just, even outside of the music, I just feel like he was always looking at the long term for everything that he was involved in. Uh, Relationships, just being able to provide, not provide, but be able to help people around him. Uh, It's something that I really actually admire and something that I want to do better at too, is kind of like what Nipsey was doing,
3: right? Yeah, he just make you want to be a better person altogether. Cause like if you look at if you look at anything like relating to Nipsey, like. <laughs> It could be, like, industry people. It could be regular, everyday people. Like, everybody had something good to say. Everybody got a story about what Nipsey did. Mm. Whether it was something was just, like, uh, him overhearing the conversation and, like, bigging big the the person up and they taking the picture and shit like that. Like right. all, It was always something positive about Nipsey. It just make you want to be a better person. And not really... Yeah, it was all really, inspirational. Yeah, not yeah. really, like give too much attention to like all the negative shit because that shit can take a toll on you if you if you consume too much of it so right yeah
0: I think the one story that was um really inspiring or just like really positive was the one I don't know if you guys seen it um there was a lady talking about i think it was like her husband or her dad or something like that it was like an electrician outside of the store and he i guess he didn't even know like he didn't even know it was nipsey giving him the uh like drinks and snacks and stuff every day but then when he found out you know when he died he just like you know was crying about it but it's it's stuff like selfless things like that like i think everybody could uh take note of
2: I think it's uh, Um, interesting that so many people spoke up of all of the good deeds that he's done and like a lot of people didn't know about it I feel like what happens is like you see somebody now especially if they're like around our age, usually when they do a good deed, they try to like make a post about it or they'll let you know that they did the good deed, but Nipsey was just doing good deeds just because that's just who he was. And I feel like it's interesting that whenever um, everything came to, oh, it's all good. When everything came around, right? Like everybody had all this good stuff to say and it was just like, damn, he was just a real stand-up dude. And he wasn't trying to get clout by being a good person. He was just a good person.
4: So yeah, I think like, that shit really mm-hmm. plays into how you raised, too, because I'm pretty sure we all saw that picture of Nipsey's dad, like, you know what I mean, participating in, in rights for his people mm-hmm. and um, protesting against apartheid. Apartheid, But, um, yeah, like, I feel like a lot of people, they're not really raised with, like, integrity and, like, being that stand-up type of person because they want to put stuff on social media to make it seem like they're this person when, like, you know what I mean? The real definition of character is what you do off-camera, off-social media, and what you do for people who don't do anything for you. So it's like, I don't think people really really grasp that whole idea. It's like, you'll get more in return by just being selfless, you know what I'm saying? Like, just giving back whenever you can. If somebody got less than you, then you should always try to lend a hand to them.
0: exactly i'm also happy that like the media isn't um like just downplaying like his his character or you know being negative about him cuz they could have said i think everybody a lot of people were expecting at least from what i see on twitter like they were going to get, like, the black, he was going to get, like, the, the black person treatment. Like, he was in the gang. That was going to be the only thing that was going to be up there. But it's, like, the total opposite.
4: I ain't going to lie. Is, I was scared for that yeah. shit, too, because, like, just you know how easy it is? Same. Um, that's yeah. why I feel like just being that stand-up type of person throughout whatever is always going to help you, because it's, like, um, matter of fact, I was just listening to Lil Wayne earlier, and he said some shit on the Carter too he was like you can't throw pebbles at bulletproof glass like when you just always a stand up like great person and everybody speaks highly of you like little shots and shit don't hold any weight you can't poke holes through his image like you can't poke holes through that type of person that he was like he didn't have a stain on him like the shit that he did in the past with uh, being in the gang and shit like that, he was still always a stand-up person, because even you'll you'll listen to uh, Big U, one of the founders of the Rolling 60s, he always spoke highly of uh, Nipsey's demeanor and everything, too. So uh, it just goes back to how you raised.
3: hmm Yeah.
2: And I think that it shows one of the I think the things that was the most powerful to me is you see even so over the past week, you see all of these different people visiting like his his store and no not only buying merch, but um, I think the one that was the most powerful is there's a photo of like all of the gangs that were in like the L.A. area um, had like a like a ceasefire and they all met. At, to uh show up at nipsey's memorial and i felt like that because that only happens like so many times just like in in history but for nipsey somebody who's still relatively young in the scope of rap to be able to have that big of an impact i think is a an amazing thing yeah bro that just
3: say a lot about his character bro like mm. he was he was the mediator right
0: you uh and even uh just i mean what he was doing like on that last day i mean i don't know we i guess there's like so many stories about you know about him that are just like positive like getting clothes for for like his homie that just got out and that shit happens but i want to yeah I don't know, do you, do you guys want to talk about, like, how uh, the conspiracy, I know the conspiracy thing was, like, annoying, uh, you know, just not letting the story unfold or whatever, but I was pretty annoyed by, like, the the ignorance,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even think we should give the whole conspiracy theory any, any yeah. energy, because yeah. obviously, like, it's something that's not, you know fact
2: and I'm glad that it seemed like it didn't really gain a lot of legs it seemed like one of the good things about social media is that it it debunked a lot of that very quickly and that's that I feel like is also a part of how powerful Nipsey was and how many people like he had around him was able to kind of recognize this and and nip it in the butt early. And I think there was even a picture that somebody circled somebody random in a photo that he was in, saying that this was the person that did it. And everybody was like, no, this isn't it. No, y'all gotta stop doing this because this is gonna cause some other shit to happen. Like, I feel like, I don't know, like all of that, the false stuff that was going around about his death was like pretty much nulled out immediately because I think so many people were involved with him that they could vouch for what he was actually doing. So yeah
3: bro it's it's crazy bro even the um even the 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 tweet his last tweet when he was like uh having strong enemies is a blessing that was
2: about that was really that was like kind of scary not even going to cap like yeah well scary is probably not the right word but it's like i feel like he might have known um, maybe i'm reading uh, into was, it but
3: no nah, that was about a uh that was about an arch nemesis he had like a long time ago and the dude just uh. got out of jail and they bumped into each other at a restaurant and the dude um nipsey was like nipsey was like in his way so in order for dude to get by him he would have had to tap nipsey on his shoulder and then they uh he tapped nipsey on the shoulder and nipsey turned around and they was kind of like on defense mode at first, and then Nipsey was like, "No, no, no!" Like I've been waiting on you. And then they chopped it. They chopped it up and everything. And he was supposed to go to the studio. Like this was all like the day before, I think. Damn. Before he got killed, yeah. So they was actually supposed to like meet up and shit, but they mm. they couldn't meet up because Nipsey had something going on. But uh, I can't remember dude's name, but he made an Instagram post talking about that whole incident. Yeah, bro. <laughs>
0: gonna say like anybody that does what the dude did just because like you say something about his character i mean i don't know how nipsey said it but it didn't warrant for what happened to me so it could even that post like the guy was eric holder guy he's a pretty weak guy in the mind so i don't know it it just sucks
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: but was, yeah, bro. I wanted to say like more positive. Uh, the the Vector ninety like venture. Like I hope that's still gains steam. I don't know if anybody's heard like if when or when like the next like city it's supposed to hit. Because I know it's supposed to hit like Baltimore, DC, like the other big cities with minorities in it. So I don't know hmm. if anybody's heard of it. Yeah, put me on. No, I, I mean, that that's thats a, much of what I heard. You know about the, the program, though, right?
2: Mm-mm. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. Oh. Um,
0: well, I feel like I've been talking for a minute. Anybody else want to?
3: Where's Frost at? Frost's been quiet.
0: That boy dead? his
2: He got his mic on mute if he'd... He probably might be talking to somebody or doing something. Okay.
0: Um, no, nah, but the the Vector ninety is just uh, it's a place where
1: yeah, it's just like you know the yeah like the yeah. the cultural intellectual hubs for like you know entrepreneurs creative spaces uh, for people to kind of come and just you know be more creative in in their own right. Uh. So I think he was trying to put like these spaces in different um, like different different cities because there's one right now. Um, what is it it's it's in it's yeah one, mm-hmm. like, Crenshaw, yeah. Uh, yeah
0: word okay just like yeah, i'm uh, all for that pro- promoting stem like because the the stem mm-hmm. programs and uh for the youth because that's what's i mean those are the professions that are making the money yeah
1: really just invest yeah investing back into the investing back into the community like putting that type of space in a place like Crenshaw, like mm-hmm. no one else is doing right that. and it And the vision was to put these, like, you know, creative spaces, these STEM centers in different communities around, around the country, more so in those inner city Mm places.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, one of the big takeaways, especially from what Nipsey was doing, is, uh, and I hate when people try to flip this, but I think that it is super important to invest into the area that either you are from or the area that you're at, or however you want to set that up. Because I feel like even the stuff that Nipsey was doing, even though he's not physically here, I feel like a lot of the stuff and projects he was involved in are still going to have weight and people will still support it for years to come just because of the person that he was. Um, And I feel like this should be motivation for because even like Nipsey is one person, right? But you look at the impact that he had and if more people were to have a similar mindset, then like a few people like Nipsey could change a lot. So um, I hope that we start to see more people kind of pick up the torch the way that he did.
1: No, I think his death is going to wake up like a lot. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it, it happens every time when someone dies, like their profile gets even bigger. So, I mean, we knew about Nipsey from the rap game, but now people outside of the rap game who are just hearing the news, they're like, oh, who is this guy? And then they start looking into him. they 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 learn about all these initiatives, and they want to keep it going. Mm-hmm. so I think that's one positive that's, that's going to come from his death. like people are going to want to continue some of the things that he started. I mean, even for me, like this whole week, um, just some of the conversations that I was having with myself is how can I like inspire and motivate people behind me? I mean, it's always been like a mission of mine, like I work in the political space, so I'm always trying to like reach back and, and get more people of color, you know, in, in my space. Um, and that's something that I've just kind of learned from Nipsey. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
4: I don't think people realize how important that whole, like, project is, too. Because you got to think about it, who really joins gangs? You know what I'm saying? Like, people who don't, who can't um, associate with a group or people who feel like they need a group to validate themselves so nipsey was trying to really bring about bring about an alternative for kids it's like if you pursue this you can you know what i mean reach those like unicorn companies who are making millions of dollars and you know what i mean being really successful rather than going down this this line of a uh, gang banging where we see your your older uh homies or your older brothers older family catching fucking life in jail he was like really trying to put put in uh an alternative and it's kind of crazy how he was able to really implement everything that he wanted to do and how that shit is just going to like completely mm-hmm. outlive even i think i mean it's going to be a part of his legacy but i think he's going to reach far beyond that and it's going to be it's kind of wild too because he was putting shit in place that's gonna help the community. And the dude that killed him, it's like he didn't think beyond that that initial thought or that jealousy thought. Like, Nipsey is putting shit in place that, I don't know right. if Eric Holder has kids, but Nipsey was putting shit in place that could help his kids. And he didn't even really think about shit like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Right. Or even nieces and nephews, you know? Like he don't know what he
3: took away from us, bro. That shit's so fucked right. up, bro. Golly. That shit's fucked up, bro.
0: I keep catching myself like I'll be doing something I'm like, damn, like Nipsey like gone for real. And I'm I'm not even I mean, I'm a fan. I'm not as big as probably like Stan or Frost, but still like I recognize and respect, you know, his impact his impact and that's not somebody that should like, he went too early. Went way mm. too early.
2: Yeah, I keep thinking about it. Where, like, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, "Damn!" Like I, I think that this is a dream because it just doesn't seem like after all the stuff that he's done, that anybody would have it in their heart to gun this man down so like to me it just doesn't it still still doesn't make sense to me and like sometimes like even like after they were saying that it happened on Twitter I was hoping that it was one of those situations where somebody was like you know, lying on Twitter and he was actually all right. Like, I was just waiting for the tweet to be like, nah, he's good. But then, like, whenever it was, like, actually concrete, like, this did happen, I was actually, like, I was upset, man. Like, I You know why it really
4: makes us upset is because, like, it's already hard being black in America, right? So, you have all these negative images of people who look like you. You go through certain things that are a lot different, that are like way different than your white classmates and white counterparts in the workplace and shit like that. And you just have to move differently throughout life. And we have like forks in the road where it's like, if we go down this path, it'll be a path of destruction, right? So if we choose the right path and try to be as positive as as possible, we think And we feel that that's going to hold a lot of weight. And then that's really going to separate us from those negative images that they put out. And I was so mad because even by being that type of person, you still get killed for it. Like people still like still have want to paint you in a negative light. I'm speaking from like Eric Holder's uh, perspective, like he still wanted to hate on this man even though all the good things that he's been doing, you know what I mean, even helping the gangs and shit like that, because I don't think people realize like for gang culture to kind of calm down throughout the whole United States, it's like the West Coast gangs have to form that truce first because so many gangs have that relationship with those gangs out on the West Coast. But yeah, man, shit is just (laughs) crazy.
2: And I think it's also a bit of a reminder that, um, like I think probably Nipsey was aware he's probably more aware than any of us on the outside was of this potential scenario but I think that he still got up and he still continued to grind and all, all of our time on this planet is finite right so it's going to come to an end eventually but I felt like even with him knowing that this was a possibility in the back of his head it didn't deter him from doing all of the good that he wanted to do and that's one of the main takeaways because like you know we could all be gone tomorrow but it's all about what you've done up until that point is like what people are going to remember you by um Mm. and even though i think it's highly unfortunate that nipsey is gone now i think it's important for us to appreciate what he did do while he was here and then make sure that that is not in vain right right
3: Definitely got to keep this shit going, bro. Cause, man, yeah, I'm. I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna take a while for me to get over. Like this shit hit me like the bankroll fresh stuff hit me. Mm-hmm. But this shit just hitting twice as hard. Cause I've like been a fan of Nipsey's for longer. So right
2: for like ten years. Yeah, bro. And a even full seeing decade, those bro.
4: pictures of them together, that should be giving me like goosebumps, bro. Cause It's like, yeah, these two guys are like they represent where they come from. So like bankroll is to Atlanta what Nipsey is to L.A. He may not have did all the same type of things, but he spoke Mm -hmm. that language. He walked like he was, you know, what I mean, from there. He represented what it means to be from there. that's why it's crazy to see them like together Mm -hmm. like really acknowledging each other and expressing like that love for one another but it's still people who look looked at them as if you know what i mean they were the worst things out here and they somebody wanted to get rid of them
0: yeah bro it's
3: (laughs) It's just it it makes you think, bro. Like I had to catch myself because the first the first initial thought, like once the whole thing was like official that Nipsey passed was bro, fuck the hood, bro. Like for what? Like what the fuck I'm to what the fuck I'm get on for, and then go back to try to like you know uh put back put money back into my community, and then shit happens like this, but you got to think you know what i'm saying if no if we don't put the money back in our community then who is you know what i'm saying right like that's the reason why the hood is fucked up in the first place because we don't have any resources there
2: mm-hmm.
3: and the people who don't and the people who can't get out or who are knowledgeable on things they're gonna be stuck and they're gonna resort to other shit Right. That's, going, that's going to be detrimental to their lives and their family lives, so we we got to keep putting money back in our communities. We don't. They're
4: going to fucking force us out. Right.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> right.
4: And <laughs> my whole like thought process on it is if we don't buy back our neighborhoods and shit like that and they force us out, who's to say they don't cut off resources from leaving the inner cities? It's like if they push us out to the suburbs because right. you know the whole white flight thing people left the inner cities because black people were moving in and they went to the suburbs but th- their whole thought process now is okay all these uh neighborhoods are bad so let's let's put a store right down the street so that it raises the property taxes so that these people can't pay on these uh houses and that they've owned for years already but they can't pay the fucking property taxes because they are extremely high, then that uh, encourages like white families to come in and buy cheap houses. Doesn't really matter if the property taxes are that high because that's a, it's a yearly fee. But if you can come in and get like a cheap ass house foreclosure, you know what I'm saying? People still not really recovering from the recession. And then they buy up the whole block and now you see white people walking their dogs down the street in areas that you've never seen them in in like the past few years it's kind of crazy it's not to say like they're purposefully doing a bad thing it's just wild to watch this shit happen and no one really like acknowledges it or pays attention to it but i feel Mm -hmm. like it could very well happen that they force us all the way out and if like a big fucking event or like some type of attack happens and they just shut off all the resources from leaving like the the major cities that are being gentrified then it'll damn near almost over for us type Mm -hmm. stuff
3: yeah bro like ownership is important like i'm learning that
2: the older i get but i think like that's kind of one of the things that um i I did take away because i I think i kind of Got. No, I wouldn't say I got away from it entirely, but it's just something that, uh, becomes less and less of a reoccurring thought. Right? <clears throat> it's mm-hmm. like what, what is your end game, for what you're doing? Because right now, our end game for people our age is going to be a lot different from people who, are like maybe like our parents' age, right? So we need to figure out kind of what we want to do, and how is that going to impact like the area that we came up in or the people that we grew up with and all the other good stuff because I think it's more important than ever because at first it was like the finish line was get a mortgage on a nice house and that was it but I feel like that's not going to be enough and I feel like stuff that Nipsey's doing is giving people not only more opportunities, but it's just giving them more insight on stuff to, to look into other than let me just buy this little plot of land and sit on it. Like we want to start doing stuff that's going to be able to uh, that that's going to be able to gain value for like future generations. Yeah, for, for you know them what I'm saying? Whitewashing mm-hmm. and shit. Like if if
4: they take over the neighborhoods mm-hmm. that have historically been black then who's to say they're not going to get rid of the history behind these neighborhoods. It's like, think about in Jacksonville, like the Springfield area and Stan, you know, like everything that Malk's dad uh tells us about that area. You wouldn't even think that was a thing if you were looking at it right now. Mm-hmm.
3: Right, right. Right. The only thing that's still black about that area is from 10th up. Well, from ninth up really. And they and they basically been pushing people further up, you know what I'm saying, towards the, the more dangerous area across the tracks. Like But the, the Springfield area from like from like what eighth on down, like that shit that shit don't even look, you know what I'm saying, how they was how it was before. Like it's it's nuts, man.
0: I was gonna say, uh <clears throat> I know Frost kinda hit it on earlier but even not just like the the owning the property like in our areas but just like Nipsey was enabling uh like youth with like or trying to with like resources and like education so like they know this stuff cause you know we're like a public or we're a victim of like a wherever your education system is and you know that shit's not great like the public system isn't like universally great to where we're getting like the the type of knowledge that we need to to buy you know buy the stuff in our neighborhoods or start businesses or whatnot so I think that's just important too It's,
4: it's all purposeful like you think about it um like my whole thing too is the way I pretty much live is like democratizing this shit like i want free and open access to information because people not realizing that information is pro- information and data is the most valuable thing right now think about all all the types of insights that Facts. like social media and like different advertising and big companies they're taking data like human data and turning that shit into dollars So it's like, the more information that you have, the more powerful you can be in in the way that this shit works now. So like democratizing that type of information, getting rid of gatekeepers, like bro, like get out the way. Like we're trying to help everybody behind us by releasing this information and spreading as much information as possible. And I think that's something that Nipsey understood like very early on, like If you can express a certain mindset, that's a little bit different while also backing it up with history and facts and then like showing people how to do it too, like Mm -hmm. look at my whole campaign, look at my whole process that it took for me to get to the top. You got to be patient. But this information is valuable. And I utilize that same information to get to where
3: I was at. right right because it's so many stories about like just people being in the studio with him and he having he got a documentary on he like hey you need to learn something like oh I read this book you should read this book you know what I'm saying I feel like this will help you out like type shit like that so it's everybody just gotta whatever we we know we gotta we gotta spread it we can't keep it to ourselves because you never know who
2: needs it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly uh, and on that point, we'll probably go ahead and wrap this episode up. Um, but I do want to open up the floor if there's any, like, final thoughts that everybody had uh, before we go ahead and close this one out.
4: Um, I definitely recommend mm-hmm. everybody go watch this movie called The Spook That Sat By The Door. Something It's just something that Nipsey recommended. And I think it was his interview with Breakfast Club, but um, it's about this uh, this Black dude, he pretty much infiltrated the CIA because they had this agenda to get, like, a token black dude and pretty much kind of help, like, public relations between the feds and the general public. And he pretty much used that premise to, like, pretty much take over and understand how they operate and use that information against them. And that's why I think, like, I really... Um, I've always liked what Corey was doing because he's interacting with the, uh, the governments and really understanding how it operates in order to provide more information to us and to, you know what I mean? People that follow him and the younger people that pay attention to him too. So definitely recommend that.
2: Mm. i might have to check that out. Definitely going to have to check that out. I put that in
0: the, uh, in the notes. <laughs>
2: yeah good deal but you want to take us out Avery
0: yeah man uh I appreciate everybody coming on appreciate guys on all your insight or whatever but
3: this
0: is
2: Ace this is D yeah we're out this is Stan oh Oh, oh, hold on hold on on, this is Ace this is D Frost. this Stan okay so we are we out